Hi, and welcome to the Cole and Sockets Sports Talks. Today's episode is about tennis and how to get better, more specifically the strategy of a kick serve. So Cole, what are some strategies to get better at tennis? Um, well, the first thing I found out from my sources, uh, one is, my first source was modifying equipment and early skill development in a tennis perspective. Um, one of the main things that it highlighted was that starting out with the right equipment is one of the most important things that you can do to guarantee success or to improve your abilities because if first of all if you don't start off out with proper equipment that is safe to use and um, the right sizes then y you won't have as it'll be more difficult to find your success and your click but um, as as it states um, as you grow older the size of equipment and the um, ability of your the ability to use the equipment changes so you need to make sure that you consistently um, change your equipment based off of your size and as you grow and as your ab ability improves. That's um, great. My book Tennis Science by Bruce Elliott also highlighted some of those great uh, points and it talked about how you need to learn how uh, you learn as a tennis player because every person is different and the way people learn shots is different because for some people muscle memory comes quicker because they played other sports or they're just starting out and this is their first sport and they need a little bit more repetition for every shot. Yes. Um, as, as I found and when we were playing, um, it's important to practice a lot um, with any sport, any, anything in life in general. Um, lifelong learning is important and it's important to make sure that you consistently practice at what you want to learn. It's without practice, the, the quote, practice makes perfect, is true, but it isn't true at the same time. You're never going to be perfect, but you can strive, you can become better with practice. So, Cole, how were you when you first started out playing tennis? Um, well, that was, uh, that, that was pretty bad. I was terrible. Um, I could not serve to save my life. <laughs> uh, anytime I'd try to hit the ball, it'd go 50 feet past where I need to get it in. Um, there's a lot of technique and finesse to tennis that I didn't realize was needed. I used to play sport. I've always played sports all of my life. I played baseball, uh, soccer, basketball, all of the eye-hand eye sport, the sports you need for eye-hand coordination, and tennis still gave me that that challenge. How long have you been playing tennis, Socket? Yeah, I've been playing since middle school, and I agree, it's a bit tough to learn, especially uh, when you're first starting. Like, you have really absolutely no control, and it's a lot harder than it looks. I think it is a sport that everyone should try, though, because you can play it when you're a kid, you can play it uh, when you're growing up, and you can also play it when you're older and just having fun with your friends. And actually, I was, I've started playing doubles um, in high school, and that was my main uh, tennis that I've been playing. And another source that I researched by, uh, Alexander, and, by Alexander McNabb and Peter Burwash talked about how um, smart play is essential in doubles. More than skill, doubles requires strategy and uh, teamwork. And so it includes uh, different shots that you need to hit that aren't necessarily about power. It needs teamwork to move to the net together and move, to move back together. And a lot of communication is also necessary for that, especially in doubles. Yes, uh, in one of the podcasts that I actually listened to by John Wertham, who's Beyond the Baseline with John Wertham, they talked, uh, he interviewed two professional athletes, and they were professional athletes, but they weren't professional tennis players. 
But the the cool thing about it was that they started out playing tennis. They played tennis when they were children, and they they said that it really helped them develop their athletic ability, develop that communication, develop that um, that repetition, and the ability to uh, play a sport and compete. Um, I think playing sports is something that is very essential to health and to make sure that one stays happy in life because it it gives you something to do yeah i agree and the other podcast i listened to was the tennis mastery plan improvement at any level and this was by ian westerman and he also uh talked about how the different kinds of practice are needed to get better um when you are a better like and you're not just starting out playing tennis um, you don't want to hit block shots, and block sh- block practicing is basically just hitting the same shot over and over again so you get it into muscle memory. But then you have randomization practice, which is hitting random shots because that one will actually help you more because it takes more effort from your brain and therefore it remembers it easier. Um, but you should always start off with block shots because that's how you learn your muscle memory. Yes, I wish. I That's one of the things that I had to really work on with with my tennis ability because I did not have the muscle memory whatsoever of a tennis shot because it is totally different than any other thing I've played. So cool. Who did you interview? I interviewed Lily, my, one of my good friends who uh, is actually going to play off in college, so she plays at a very high level. Um, her name's Lily Reed, and she we talked about some of the um, some of the her her experience as an athlete and becoming a quote-unquote professional because she's going to play at a collegiate level. Um, she has, she talked about her, her, what she would, what advice she would give to people and all of that. So let's take a listen. What advice would you give a beginner at this sport? I don't know. Some people are kind of intimidated by tennis because they don't think of it as like an easy sport to play. But really, if you're just athletic, I think anyone can play. I know some of my friends didn't play until their sophomore year and they picked it up really fast because they had already played other sports. And it's just such a fun sport and really easygoing if you don't want to be that intense. And so I've had great coaches that have made it a great experience for me. So if you find a great coach, it's just really easy to play. What do you think the most difficult part of tennis is? I think it's hard because it's a team sport, but it's also a solo sport. And it's really easy to get in your own head when you're playing. And, like, I know sometimes I'll know that I'm better than someone when I'm playing or I'm higher on the ladder because of it's that's how it is in tennis. One person is always better than the other. But those are probably the easiest matches to lose because you think you have it in the bag and then your mind just gets in your way. And it's so easy to make mistakes. And if you make a mistake, you can't really fix it because you only get one shot and then the score changes. So... That's some deep shit. I know. Um, well, when watching tennis on TV, each player has their own unique grunt. Can you give an example of your grunt? <laughs> I, don't, I don't grunt. Per you don't se. have like a. <gasps> <laughs> I think grunting is more for like 
boys or the pros. Wow, that was a great interview. Uh, of course, I enjoyed interviewing Lily. She's very skilled at what she does, and she knows her stuff. What do you think the most important takeaway from that was? In my opinion, um, one of the most important things that we can take, or anybody can take from that interview, was that when Lily said that anybody can be, anybody can take up tennis. She stated that um, she believes anybody is can play the game, and as long as they just try it out and practice, it's one of the sports that's really fun, and you can play throughout your life. Yeah, I thought what she said about the mental game was pretty interesting because. In my experience playing tennis, I've run into that wall a few times where, you know, I it's a person that I should be able to beat, but then I just can't get my shots in, and it's not falling right, but then I know it's just all in my head because I've hit those shots before, and they've gone in, and I don't know what's wrong. I feel like that's one thing that, that goes, that's universal throughout every sport, um, as it, every sport and everything in life is a mental game. It's all about having to practice the muscle memory to do it. Um, anything else you thought was really good from that interview? I thought she spoke well and she was pretty humorous and I, I enjoyed listening to her input and I wish her good luck at Iowa State next year. I do the same. So what do you think one can do to be better at creating lifelong goals in order to succeed? And it could be related to sports, it could not. Um, one of my articles stated that, uh, it was by John Deckers, uh, he stated that in... Lifelong learning, it is important to make sure you stick with what you do, what you decide. You don't take breaks. Um, he, it was more of, his advice was more for short-term learning, but he said it goes long, it goes in the long run as well. He said to make sure you cut out all distractions and make sure you set a, a standard of you can't, these are things that you can't skip. So if you're if you start giving yourself some leeway on something then soon enough or as it goes by you'll give yourself more leeway and more leeway. He said that's the one thing that you need to make sure you don't do. You have a this is what I'm going to do and I no no leeway on it. Yeah, actually one of my sources by Kelly James Enger also kind of echoed that same thing. He said that you have to set goals because setting goals is the only way that you'll achieve something. Otherwise, you'll just put it off and not take it seriously. And he actually gave some tips for setting goals, which was like smart goals. And uh, the smart is like setting uh, good goals and to, for them to be reasonable, for, them to be, for you to be able to measure them accurately and then look at the time. And so actually using the acronym SMART to set a goal is very I guess smart because it allows you to measure your goal, measure your progress, and make sure that you are achieving your goal instead of just wasting your time. Yes, uh, one of my articles uh, it was called "Individual Learning Plans, Basics and Beyond." Uh, it had a five-step process for long-term goals. Uh, the first step was reflection on long-term career goals and self self-assessment and strengths and weaknesses. Um, then it went to goal generation and the development of plans and strategies to help achieve that goal. So one of the main things is you have to first decide what you want. Second, you have to look at, examine yourself and see what is making you not achieve this goal in the, in the time, in the current moment. And then you develop your goal based off of your weaknesses and develop that strategy. The fourth part was uh, assessment of the progress on the goal, and the fifth was based on the assessment, um, re revising the goal or plan, 
by generating a new goal. So it all goes into one big, big, it's all to get that goal in the end, but there's, there's a special process that will help make it easier. Did you have anything? Yeah, I actually also read a newspaper article by Lee Levin, and he was talking about, uh, this is specific to like employment um, and in your career, but it talks about how you need a mindset that you can always improve. You should never be satisfied where you are because otherwise that'll like just make you stop achieving your goals, stop uh, trying to be better. And having a mindset for like perseverance will allow you to get through that adversity that you face and keep pushing to finally achieve whatever goal you're having. And you should also be optimistic, right? You're not going to achieve everything on your first try. It might take like 10, 20, 30, even 100 tries to finally get something right. But when you do, it's worth it because that feeling at the end. That's what it's about. Yeah. So now uh, I interviewed... Uh, Vinay Thyagarajan, and he talked specifically about a kick serve, which is an integral part of tennis strategy. And so I'll play that right here. Tennis than in other sports. Okay, so my project specifically is about how to improve my kick serve. I never really was able to hit a kick serve, and I've been trying to work on that throughout this project. So, do you ever use a kick serve in your matches? And uh, yeah, uh, mainly like the kick serves used as a second serve. Like in tennis, you get two serves. So, the first serve you hit a little harder, maybe a little more risky. And then the second serve, like the kick serve is more reliable because you can get a lot of topspin on it. So you can get a lot of net clearance, and then it can ensure that just like once you hit it like well, then you know that the ball will just make it into the court, and that you can just get the point started. So why do you think the kick serve is advantageous? And I guess you kind of answer that. But what's the goal of the kick serve? Uh, so the goal of it, I guess, like as I said earlier, it's mainly like used as a second serve. But as the serve itself, uh, since it has a lot of topspin, your opponent may not be expecting it as well. Because then the once the ball hits the ground, then it'll have the kick, so it'll like jump up a lot and be be very high when your opponent's like trying to return it. So it can put them in a difficult position. It might like jam them and stuff, and uh, then they may get a weak return back, and then you can be offensive afterward. And overall, it'll just set you up for a pretty neutral point, and you won't really be in the defense on the next shot. Wow, that was a pretty good interview. It was socket. It was. Yeah, I loved how we talked about the kick serve and actually gave some tips to help use it in an in a actual game. And in a video by Essential Tennis about the kick serve, it talked more specifically on how it's supposed to look. And since it was a video source, uh, you could get a, an actual perspective on how it's supposed to be and how your follow-through and other shots go. Yes, also, uh, in an article di by Douglas Paul, I sort of learned some other tips that would help with any type of serve, especially kick serve. Um, on, he commented on the grip, the types of grip, how you, the grip should vary when you're playing. It varies when you're serving to when you're hitting. So when you're serving, uh, P Paul Douglas said that uh, you use a continental grip when, while you're playing, uh, you just use a Western grip, and that really, that's something that I personally didn't know, but it sounded like it does affect how you play because your, the way you angle your racket is affecting how the ball comes off of your racket. Yeah, the grip is very important, especially to prevent strain on your arm when you're swinging. And in another source, this was by a former player, Juan Nunez. He was a semi-professional. He wrote this story, or, or an article, titled Kick It. And it gives a step-by-step -step procedure on how to hit a kick serve 
including how you're supposed to line your feet up, where the toss is supposed to be, and how hard and how uh, and the form that you're supposed to use when you swing. And I think it really helped me get better at my kick serve personally. Yes, uh, and many of these by doing all this research and finding all this information based off of uh, based off of like techniques and the equipment and all of that. And just the practice in general from the tips from Lily and the tips from Vinay, I feel like I've progressed uh, a little towards my goal. I still haven't beaten you yet, Sockets, but I'm still I'm getting closer and closer each game. I'm starting to get score more points, win more sets, but I'm still not there yet. I, th I feel like I'll be there by the end of this week, though. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. When I, when I first uh, hit my kick serve at the beginning of this project, I was barely able to get it over the net, and if I did, it would not go in the right box and would not have the right spin. But since I've been practicing more and more with the tennis team, and um, me and Donish have actually uh, uh, practiced these serves together to try to get a consistent second serve for regionals and state, and I think it's gotten a lot better because I've been able to get more spin, and yeah. Yeah, I really noticed it. You're getting hard. You're getting even harder when I'm trying to get myself <laughs> prepared. But it's really helping me. Um, have you played any things like pickleball or tennis or uh, platform tennis or anything? Yeah, I think some of the other racket sports like pickleball yeah. uh, actually really help you with tennis as well because it, it helps improve your hand-eye coordination. I've never heard of platform tennis though. You want to explain that? Um, yeah. So one of my uh, sources by uh, Harry Hurt talks about platform platform tennis and how it differs from real tennis but how anything similar to tennis can actually help you with tennis because tennis isn't a year-round sport outdoors you're gonna have to go inside but platform tennis is a way to play outdoors in the winter it's sort of a smaller game of tennis but just played outdoors with chicken wire actually which sounds pretty weird but it's interesting he says that the rules are basically the same, the scoring's different, it's like pickleball, and pickleball's something that I, I play with Socketh, and we, we go consistently down to Hilltop. It's a fun game, but anyways, it's, it helps you with that eye-hand coordination, one of the things you need to build up for tennis. So cool. That was really interesting. Thank you for joining me on this today's podcast, and of course. before we end, Cole, I'd like to hear your grunt one more time. Oh gosh. Ha! Huh! <laughs> It's a game winner right there. You can't do, you can't go wrong with that grunt. Of course. <laughs>